0: It's 6 p.m., and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Monday, August 28th. I'm Kelly Reese, and this is your KVMR Evening News. The California report heads to the epicenter of groundbreaking research on wildfire smoke's impact on the wine industry. Then, National Native News has details on a first of its kind report on missing persons in Alaska. We've got your local news and weather forecast, which includes a red flag warning for the Sacramento area. And KVMR's Felton Pruitt speaks to Nevada County's Director of Building about September 8th's Collaboration Day. The aim is to connect services, nonprofits, private businesses, and residents during this one-stop-shop day of networking.
1: This is the California Report. I'm Mavi Bolaños in San Francisco. And these are some California stories we're following. El Segundo took home the Little League World Series championship title in Pennsylvania this weekend after beating Curaçao to 6-5. Curaçao is a small island off the coast of Venezuela. Here's the call from ESPN.
2: Challenge you-
3: Does it again!
4: California, your World Series champs on a walk-off
1: home run. It was the team's first time at the Little League World Series, and the eighth time a California team has won the Little League World Series title. And in Monterey County, the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers is starting to rebuild the Pajaro Levee nearly five months after it breached and flooded the small town of Pajaro. They'll focus on three critical sites of the levee system. The first site caused the town to flood. Holly Costa is with the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. She explains why it took so long to get started on the repairs.
3: We had to wait for the water levels to go down before we could even come out and assess the extent of the damage. And uh, our, the Corps' process for rehabilitation, we do what's like a mini feasibility study, what needs to be done, how much will it cost, um, and what do we need to do to plan the repair. Then we send that report up to headquarters and say, please give us money.
1: Costa says the Pajaro Regional Flood Management Agency should have been inspecting the levee every year. The agency says they're still determining why the levee breached. About 400 homes were damaged by the flood, and many residents are still rebuilding their lives after the flood. Support for the California Report comes from Guideline. Their automated 401K plans can be set up in 20 minutes. More at guideline.com slash CA. Guideline, the California way to 401K. The California Healthcare Foundation. Listening to Black Californians, a new study on how the health care system undermines the pursuit of good health. On the web at chcf.org slash lbca. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt through the Schmidt Family Foundation, working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food. On the web at theschmidt.org. A growing number of California winemakers have seen their crop ruined in recent years by wildfire smoke. The impact is huge. After fires in 2020, the California Association of Wine Grape Growers estimated that up to 325,000 tons of grapes weren't usable, leading to over $3 billion in losses. CAP Radio's Manola Sakaida has more from UC Davis, where researchers are experimenting with solutions.
4: Just keep the plastic
2: down so that it can spray through. Go
1: down,
5: go down. It's a hot August morning at a vineyard in Davis. The air smells faintly of cinnamon. It's one of the ingredients of the polymer-based solution being sprayed over the grapes by a slow-moving tractor. This product is typically used to protect plants from fungus, but today, researchers with UC Davis are testing to see if it might help protect the grapes from exposure to smoke, too. Naomi Campen is one of the PhD students lending a hand in the experiment. She's tasted her fair share of smoke-tainted wine.
2: The thing that I pick up most in the really bad
5: smoke-tainted wines is like stale cigarette smoke. So like if you've had a night of drinking and you've smoked a bunch of cigarettes and then you wake up in the morning and you smell your hands and you regret your entire life, That's kind of what I get. In a couple of weeks, Campen says the team will cover a portion of the grapes in a cloud of smoke. After that, they'll turn them into wine and test how effective the spray was at reducing the level of smoke taint. I don't think any of us are hugely optimistic that this will be the silver bullet, but it could be a a piece of a larger mitigation attempt. In previous tests, they found similar sprays only offer about 10% protection for the grapes. But right now, winemakers are desperate for any help they can get. They just want to do something to feel like they're protecting their grapes. But you can actually make it worse. So that's really, really important. That's Anita Oberholster. She's a wine researcher at UC Davis who specializes in the study of smoke taint. Previously, she's found that spraying the grapes when smoke is in the air could actually increase the level of taint. So at the very least, her research helps winemakers from creating an even bigger problem. So a lot of what I do is also just screening. Research on smoke taint is pretty new. The first academic paper on the topic came out of Australia about two decades ago. It wasn't until wildfires hit California in 2020 that the broader winemaking community began to understand that smoke taint was more than a freak accident. Deb Kahn learned that lesson earlier than most. She and her husband Ted own Navarro Vineyards in Mendocino County which was hit by wildfire smoke in 2008. In more recent years, Con says she's had to reject shipments from growers she's worked with for decades. Some, facing rejection from many winemakers, have quit.
2: And they have just said, uh, you know, this has been too many years of not being able to make money on my vineyard, and I don't think I want to do this anymore.
5: Khan describes farming as a form of crisis management, even under normal conditions. But she sees smoke taint as one example of climate change that will transform the industry permanently.
2: We're old. We don't have to worry about it too much longer. But our kids and our grandkids do.
5: Oberholster says she's noticed an uptick in funding and interest in her research since 2020. In June, California Senator Alex Padilla introduced a bill in Congress that could provide over $32 billion for research over five years. So far, some of that research has looked at what can be done to protect the grapes before smoke hits, like sprays. But Oberholster says the most promising solutions are those that treat wine made from tainted grapes through methods like reverse osmosis.
4: It will be very valuable to get a treatment option that is not too expensive and can actually treat wine and not impact the overall quality greatly so that that wine can actually be sold. And perhaps sold in the bracket it was aimed for originally.
5: Oberholster sees the possibility for better options in the next couple years. In the meantime, she says researchers have to investigate every possible solution, even the ones that might only help a little bit. For the California Report, I'm Manola Sakaida in Davis. For
1: pictures of the vineyard and more on the research, go to capradio.org. And that's the California Report for Monday, August 28th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm your host, Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day.
0: Coming up on National Native News, a first-of-its-kind report on missing persons in Alaska has been released. Indigenous groups in Guatemala say they're preparing for massive protests to defend the results of last weekend's election. And the St. Regis Mohawk Tribe in New York has received the first distribution from a group of nationwide opioid settlements. More on those stories up ahead.
3: This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. A first-of-its-kind report on missing persons in Alaska has been released. The State Department of Public Safety and the Anchorage Police Department collaborated to collect the data. Austin McDaniel, a spokesperson for the Public Safety Department, says the report maps out hundreds of cases, going back to 1960.
4: We think this is a good first effort, and we're definitely interested in adding additional data points.
3: McDaniel says the work, which is an outgrowth of the governor's People First initiative, will be updated every quarter and can be found online. In the last quarter, from April to June, 200 Alaska Native or American Indian people went missing in the state. Most of them have been found, except for 25. The database has an important new feature. It categorizes the circumstances surrounding the disappearances, identifying those which are suspicious. As director of the data for Indigenous Justice Group, Charlene Uphook welcomes the new report and says it's what advocates for missing Indigenous people have been asking for for years. She worked on an earlier attempt to track their numbers. Sadly, I think what this really illustrates is a systemic issue of violence that's being perpetrated in our community in the state of Alaska. And that should raise flags and alarms and really start igniting justice. She hopes the database will continue to improve and provide more information about those missing, including their hometowns and Native cultural identities, so they become more than just points of data, but reminders of loved ones lost to their families. Indigenous groups in Guatemala say they're prepared for massive protests if necessary to defend the results of last weekend's election. The vote saw a landslide by an anti-corruption candidate, which the Guatemalan government's now trying to overturn. Maria Martin
2: reports. About a dozen Maya and other indigenous groups met recently in the community of Totonicapan in the western highlands of Guatemala. They later issued a statement addressed to the people of Guatemala and the international community. In it, the influential Maya Quiche organization, 48 Cantones, 48 Villages, speaking for the collective, expressed profound concern at Guatemala's constitutional crisis, which they say is a result of, quote, constant and flagrant violations of the Constitution by an entrenched corrupt group that seeks to hold on to power. It's time for people to defend their vote, says 48 Cantones President Luis Pacheco
1: Gutierrez. And
2: to show that Native people, along with all Guatemalans, are uniting to oppose wrong decisions that are being taken. Enough is enough, he
1: says.
2: The indigenous authorities of Sololá, meanwhile, say if Guatemala's Attorney General Consuelo Porras continues to destroy democracy, they'll be forced to take over highways, airports and offices of the public ministry. They're also calling for Porras's resignation. For National Native News, i Martin.
3: The St. Regis Mohawk Tribe in New York has received an initial distribution of $1.3 million dollars from a group of nationwide opioid settlements. The tribe was part of settlements reached in 2022 with drug manufacturers and distributors. The 2018 lawsuit contends companies that manufacture, market, and distribute opioids carried out a scheme to make individuals believe that prescription opioids were safe, non-addictive, and could be used without long-term effects. The complaint alleges that the scheme created an opioid epidemic that has ravaged tribal communities. The tribe has been working to combat the impacts and the settlement will be used to support programs and services. I'm Antonia Gonzalez.
0: National Native News is produced by Kwanic Broadcast Corporation, with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Support by the Colorado Plateau Foundation, supporting Native-led initiatives protecting Plateau lands, waters, and cultures by building networks, community, and organizational capacity. Grant proposals accepted through September 2nd at coloradoplateaufoundation.org. Do you have feedback, stories, or ideas that you want to share? Now through September 4th, visit online at koanik.org slash survey to share feedback and be part of defining our future. That's K-O-A-H-N-I-C.org forward slash survey.
4: Native Voice 1, the Native American Radio Network.
0: Now let's take a look at your local news. According to the Sacramento Bee, Lincoln is the latest city in California to consider a drive through ban. Placer County commissioners unanimously voted last week to adopt a resolution which would ban future, quote, businesses with drive-thrus from occupying space in the city's downtown, including restaurants, banks, and pharmacies. Just why exactly are cities banning drive throughs in the first place? According to a report from the Quantum Real Estate Advisors, California is one of the top drive through states. However, cities throughout the state have implemented or started conversations about drive through bans, which are largely focused on improving quality of life for city residents and curbing carbon emissions. In Lincoln, talks of drive through bans are being considered to eliminate traffic jams and long lines on the roads. San Luis Obispo has had a ban on drive throughs for about 40 years. A city spokesperson said, drive through facilities were considered inappropriate due to air quality impacts of idling cars waiting for services. This reported by the Sacramento Bee. A note about Caltrans' work in the upcoming week. Drivers should expect lane closures and delays at several locations along I-80 between Colfax and the Nevada State Line in Placer, Nevada, and Sierra Counties. Earlier this year, the California Department of Transportation, known as Caltrans, performed an extensive field review of the I-80 corridor. The review found an unprecedented amount of damage. Several areas were identified as needing immediate repair and would not hold up through another winter season. Five emergency contracts were executed for the repair work, totaling $84.4 million. Crew started this morning on pavement repairs in the Boca area through the Donner Pass Inspection Facility. Construction will prepare the area for pavement slab replacement and polyester concrete inlay. Motorists will experience lane closures during the daytime hours through Friday, September 1st, with delays around 10 to 15 minutes. Additional closures are expected along Gold Run, Emigrant Gap, Yuba Pass, and Kingville stretch of I-80 after the Labor Day holiday weekend. In addition, work will begin along the Donner Lake section on Tuesday, September 5th. Several areas along the I-80 corridor exhibit moderate to high levels of rutting due to chain wear over the winter and spring seasons. Once fully underway, repairs at all five locations will occur at the same time, with a maximum delay of up to two hours. Caltrans will also continue work on State Highway 28 in North Lake Tahoe until Friday, September 1st. One way traffic control is scheduled between Center Street and Ridgewood Road in Carnelian Bay. One way traffic control is also scheduled between Granite Road and Agate Road from Monday, August 28th until Thursday, August 31st from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Drivers could encounter delays of up to 30 minutes due to the Highway 28 construction. Now let's take a look at your local forecast from the National Weather Service. Dry and seasonably warm weather prevails across the region throughout mid-next week, before a cooling trend takes hold late next week. Increasing breezy northerly winds Tuesday and Wednesday may result in elevated fire weather conditions as well. For those in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight clear with a low around 59 degrees. Tuesday, sunny with a high near 86. Tuesday night will see widespread haze between 8 p.m. and 2 a.m., Apart from that, it'll be clear with a low around 60 degrees. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight clear with a high near 45 degrees. Tuesday, sunny with a high near 75. Tuesday night will be clear with a low around 43 degrees. In Sacramento and Woodland, tonight clear with a low around 59 degrees. Tuesday, sunny with a high near 94. Tuesday night will be clear with a low around 67 degrees. There will be areas of smoke after 3 a.m. The National Weather Service has issued a Fire Weather Watch red flag warning for the Sacramento area, in effect Tuesday evening through Wednesday evening. The combination of gusty winds and low humidity can cause fire to rapidly grow in size and intensity. The Fire Weather Watch is primarily for the west side of Sacramento Valley, mainly along and west of I-5. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. Friday, September 8th, we'll see Nevada County's Economic Development Office put on Collaboration Day at the Rood Center in Nevada City. The Development Office says the day will bring businesses, nonprofits, and agencies together, helping everyone reach their potential. KVMR's Felton Pruitt has details on Collaboration Day up ahead.
4: We're talking with George Shurek. He's Nevada County's Director of Building And they're going to be putting on Collaboration Day coming up on Friday, September 8th at the Root Center. So, George, what exactly is Collaboration Day? Well, this is an opportunity for all our citizens, businesses, contractors, realtors, professional organizations, and nonprofits, whether you're in uh, East Nevada County or West Nevada County or anywhere in between, to come to the Root Center and become partners with us. It's going to be a platform for networking, information sharing, and developing partnerships. We want everybody to win in Nevada County. So come to us. We're trying to do some community outreach. If you have questions, you, you need answers, whether it's the building department, you're talking to the planning department, or you want to talk to somebody in public health or the veteran services, or if you want to talk to somebody about fire safety, OES will be here, Fire Safe Council will be here. We'll have sort of a fair type event. We'll have booths, we'll have food vendors, we'll have fire trucks, we'll have information about uh, accessory dwelling units, we'll have a uh, library, we'll be here talking about what uh, you can get around the county and, and access to the library. So it's it's an all-encompassing county fair for everybody, young and old. And not only that, but I hear you have food trucks and balloons. Yeah, we're going to have uh, Diego's is going to be here with some uh, the, one of our food vendors along with Maria's Mexican Restaurant. Plus, uh, Lazy Dog Ice Cream will be here, and then we're going to have a gentleman painting faces and handing out balloons. So uh, it should be a a fun event for the whole family. Is it going to be out in the parking lot? Is it in the root Center, or is it both? Well, it's both. We're going to have all the booths and all the demonstrations out in the parking lot here at the Root Center, but also there'll be some short presentations inside the Board of Chambers. We're going to talk about fire safety. We're going to talk about navigating permitting. We're going to talk about our My Neighborhood map on our website, how you can look at your parcel for free on the county website. Transit's going to be here, talk about their e-buses that, that are coming into the community. We're going to have our Public Works Department giving a short presentation about the the expansion we're doing out at the transfer uh, station on McCourtney Road. So there's a lot of information, a lot of ways to partner with the county and other organizations moving forward so to help you improve your life or or, or get answers that you might have questions to. We're going to have some presentations right in the board chambers here. So if it's 100 degrees out a couple Fridays from now, come on in, cool off, listen to these presentations. We're going to have a gentleman talk about uh, how to navigate the fire insurance. We're going to have some people talking about ADUs you know, from the planning department. They've got some good uh, information on how to navigate that permitting process. We're going to have EH talking about mosquito fish and how to rid mosquitoes from your property. So there's a lot of information that will be available, and we'll have more of this coming out as we fine-tune our program, and we'll have the times and speakers uh, available to the public here hopefully early next week on our website. Give the website to the folks. It's nevadacountyca.gov slash building, and then if you just go to the the main page of nevadacountyca.gov, there'll be some more information on Collaboration Day in the near future. That's George Sherrick. He's Nevada County's Director of Building. We thank you for all your information, George.
0: Thank you, Felton. That's our newscast for Monday, August 28th. KVMR gets support from generous listeners like you and Wild Birds Unlimited, locally owned birder, nature, and gift store since 1999. Offering all things birds, bird feeding supplies, nesting boxes, bird baths, also nature-inspired gifts and yard art. Wild Birds Unlimited, Neal Street, Grass Valley. Support for KVMR's Future of Radio project comes from AJA Video Systems, empowering the next generation of local journalists and broadcasters. The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendonza. As always, thanks for tuning in. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off. Join us Tuesday at 6 for another edition of the KVMR Evening News.